Hubhopper Originals. To start your podcast for free, log on to studio.hubhopper.com. This episode is sponsored by Blue Microphones. Head on to community.hubhopper.com to check out their amazing range of products. The Blue Microphone consists of the Blue Voice technology, which produces clear broadcast quality sound for podcasting and is compatible with both Mac and Windows. The Blue Microphone range is highly recommended for all podcasters. Hello and welcome back to another week of Heart on My Sleeve. This is Mansha Kaur and I'm so happy to have you back on the show. As promised, this week's guest is the country's favorite baker and patisserie owner, Pooja Dhingra. To give you a little bit of background, Pooja dropped out of law school and switched careers to enroll in a hospitality and management course in Switzerland. Three years post which she began her training at Le Cordon Bleu in Paris. After having her first macaron at one of PRMS patisseries, she sought to bring back that French-style culinary experience to India. Pooja opened her first store at 23 years of age, exactly 10 years ago. She's not only a celebrity baker and patisserie owner, but also an inspirational businesswoman. She's been featured in countless articles and magazines and also the Forbes 30 Under 30 Asia list. Till date, she's published three books, The Big Book of Treats, Can't Believe It's Eggless, and The Wholesome Kitchen. And most recently, in fact, during the lockdown, she published her first ebook called Bake at Home. She has her own podcast as well that you should definitely check out called No Sugar Coat. I'm going to make sure to link it in the description. In this very candid and honest conversation, Pooja shares her highest highs and lowest lows in her 10-year-long journey of being a celebrated businesswoman. We talk about founder fatigue and mental health in the realm of work, of which anxiety is a natural part. She shares how she navigates hers and how she finds her centre through her most testing phases. She also talks about the importance of balancing work and life, all while maintaining her charming sense of humour. Here's Pooja. Hi. Hi, Mansha. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I don't know how to answer that question anymore. I'm all right today, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a better way to answer this question, right? There's so many highs and lows. Constantly changing. But how has the lockdown generally been for you? Uh, (laughs) I feel like it's been 100 days and I feel like every part of the lockdown has brought its own sort of challenges and emotions. So like the first month was, you know, you're still trying to figure out what is going to happen. You know, you go three or five stages of grief, right? You know, you're like trying to think, you can't accept what's happening. Then finally you come to terms with it. And now you're at a stage where you're like, you've accepted it. And now you're like, how do I coexist with COVID? And then how do I still maintain that business goes on, life goes on? But that fear is constantly there. So yeah, it's been strange. How's it been for you? So it was interesting because for the first month, month and a half, it was just me and my husband got them. And like, it was nice to have all of this unadulterated time for just the two of us and managing everything on our own from taking out the trash to like a few disaster stories along the <laughs> way. 
but same thing with him i think for me you know work is still i can manage it regardless of the pandemic but for him business development and funding and all of those things take a massive yeah, yeah. like more so him than me he's been saying the same stuff that you have and like it's obviously been a struggle for anyone running anything of their own and then people who are working at different organizations for them there's a lot of scare as far as their job goes so i think correct affected everyone regardless completely agree with that yeah since we have just spoken about the lockdown are you one of the people who've had an epiphany or a few epiphanies during this phase and if you have then what are your two three learnings that have really sort of come to you and stuck most definitely and i think that for most people um, i hope they have realized something in this time out because it really feels like that right it feels like the universe is sort of giving you a time out to really reconsider everything and if you haven't then i feel like what was the point of all of this so that's me trying to make sense of you know hard because i feel every crisis everything teaches you a lesson and then if this is not teaching me a lesson then why is it here so definitely think i've learned a lot from this time first i think the one main thing that i've really introspected and seen how i live my life how much time i was spending at work and why was i spending so much time at work i've not spent this much time in my house in the last 10 years so like being comfortable in my own home in my own space because i would literally come home at 11:30 12 sleep and leave at 6:37 in the morning again you know i haven't spent time with my parents the silver lining in all of this is like i've got to spend time with my family so the hard realizations were like how are you living your life is this really the way to live it can you do things differently can you do things better? Or does it always have to be a race and not like a race competing with anyone else but just a race in your own head like why does everything always have to be go 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 can the pace differ but the outcome still be the same and i think that's possible so yeah you know those were some of the main things that i have sort of thought of also the kind of people that you have around you who do you really want in a crisis situation yeah. who are your true friends who do you want to talk to on a day to day basis when you know things are tough from your core uh, team you know how does the crisis bring out different personalities in each one of them so a lot of that comes to the forefront so i think for me in the last 3 months have also one have been to look at myself and kind of realize what are the things that i've been doing and what changes i want to make and the second is to look at my environment and the people around me to see what kind of life do i want what are the influences i want in my life so i think it's been pretty crucial yeah that's such a good way to also phrase it cuz me i think the one thing that i've constantly thought about is that especially for the people around me i think a lot of us struggle with being alone with ourselves and liking the company that we keep and if nothing else i think this phase is the one phase where one should look within and find those parts of themselves that they actually do like over and above all of the highlights on one's instagram or in general of the parties and the events and stuff like that i think like just looking within and finding all of those lost bits that when you were growing up used to make you happy and made you feel more comfortable with who you are more than what you do or who you're surrounded by so i think that's been a big learning as well yeah so you've been in this space for 10 years now as a pastry chef and a bakery chain owner what have been some of your highest highs and your lowest lows during this 10 year journey 
Oh my God, so many. I feel like anyways, my days, you know, they're so diverse and they're so poles apart because you could be having the highest high and then the next day you're having your lowest low. So it's not consistent at all, right? Obviously, like building a team, making sure that everyone loves a product and they kind of recognize you and they credit you for bringing that to India and changing sort of that pastry landscape. I mean, that's a big deal. So for me, that is amazing. It wasn't very intentional. I was just like, I'm going to do what I love doing. And, you know, all this was a byproduct of it. So that is great. I had a wish list of sort of people that I wanted to bake cakes for and I kind of ticked off almost everybody from that list. So that also is great. I started Love With Me at 23. I didn't have a big budget. Contrary to popular belief, I've never had a PR company. I've never had a sort of marketing focus. My only focus has been product. So I was like, let's just focus on product and the experience that comes with it and then everything else will sort of follow and that's what's happened. Seeing that organic growth and sort of word of mouth and people kind of becoming champions for you and your brand is something which I think is exceptional. So those are mostly the highs. Obviously, all of being on on several lists, being recognized for your craft, all of those are great. But I also feel like success or failure, whatever it is, it's very transient. So I like to look at it. I don't like to hold on to anything. So I forget. I forget, you know, if I have to introduce myself to somebody, I will not remember any list that I was on or anything. I will just say that I am a pastry chef. I don't remember anything else. And I think that kind of helps me grow and learn as well. The lows have been far too many. For every high, there have been about five lows. From being like uh, cheated on in business, getting money stolen from me, someone forging my signature on bank loans, to just, you know, all of it, like losing out on relationships because of work. Like it's, it's challenging, right? Setting a business up from scratch is challenging and you go through all those emotions. So yeah, definitely many highs and many, many lows. It's so interesting because I feel like I'm talking to my husband. You know, (laughs) words are the same as well. It's insane. No, that's so true. I hear that a lot. The thing is when somebody is looking at your life from the outside, they sort of see the list that you're on, the awards that you've got and all of the other recognition. It's easy to believe that that's all there is. And, you know, the biggest challenge is just taking that plunge and then life is good and life is smooth and you know you've made it but the fact is that yeah there's so many struggles on a day-to-day basis whenever I'm talking to my husband and stuff like that it's like in one moment you know like this horrific thing is happening and you're getting all of these meals that are breaking your heart because this is your baby that you built from scratch you spent five seven eight nine ten years doing it and on the other side you're getting featured on crazy lists and you're getting these awards and like everyone thinks that you have the life that they wish they had the courage to lead but there's so many so many daily struggles and daily issues so what do you do on the days where you're feeling less passionate about you know what you do and like I've personally seen that. I've also felt a bit of it where you're so sure of what you're doing and then that goes on for a while, but then there comes a phase and then it's cyclical almost where you question why you're doing what you're doing. So what do you do on those days? I mean, honestly, it's it's challenging, right? As any entrepreneur, you will be faced with this question quite a lot. I think that for me, for so long, there was no doubt in my mind that I love this and I'm doing this for the passion and I'm doing this because it, I've dedicated my life of, you know, of sorts to it. And you go on and it's like, a, it's like you're in this tunnel and whatever, whatever. And I think ever so often, I'll just stop, especially when things are dark, when things are really bad. And I'll be like, 
why am I doing this? And I think the last three months in the lockdown that has for the first time in my life, I made a list. So I have a leadership coach and I have actually sat down and made a list of the pros and cons of keeping Love 15 alive. And I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I had to do it. And I really had to soul search and ask myself, why is it that I do what I do? What is it that pushes me, motivates me to do that? If I don't do that, can I do something else? And you know, honestly, there's no straight up answer to this. Maybe I would have come up with, I need to shut it down. And, you know, I had to do that with uh, 50% of our business. And it was a very calculated sort of move that we took. And it was dark, right? It was really dark then. I think for me, the main thing was that I have this quote on my wall, which says, I am the master of my fate and I'm the captain of my soul. It's from Invictus, the poem. And irrespective of what you do and why you do it, it is going to get challenging. But I think that you need to understand who you are and identify with yourself, leaving aside what you do for a living or how you make money. Because once you're sure and confident of you and as personal as your skill, then it doesn't matter if I'm doing a petty today or tomorrow, if I'm starting something completely new, yeah. I know that my skill sets will help me go and do all of that. So number one of getting out of a dark space is having self-awareness and being sure of yourself and that is not easy you know that takes many years at least for me I don't know if you reach that stage early you know that's a great thing but that's number one and number two is again to start with the why right like to keep asking yourself why are you doing this so I had to really peel out the layers during this time and be like what if I don't have it okay why is it so important and ask myself those questions and then eventually you reach some answers which give you that motivation because passion is great right and like we all are passionate about different things but you're right, you're not going to have that passion every single day, you know, when your team messes up, when customers are complaining, when you don't have enough revenue, when everything's stacked up against you. If you have the answer for that, that is going to keep you going for when times get tough. Yeah, that's so beautifully phased. I think that's something that a lot of people have struggled with. I see a lot of people around me know stepping back from jobs without a safety net even because they just don't know why they've been on this path for so long and you know like so many people are I think finally thinking about their reasons and also just thinking about how what they do whether it's work or life in general sort of affects their mental state of mind and I think that's a beautiful thing because nobody's had the time to think about these things and now we've sort of been given this phase where it's like, okay, yeah, this is really important stuff. And like one day, just like this, we're going to become 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. And then we'll have the same questions. So like you don't automatically get wiser as you get older. You had to make a conscious effort to figure those things out and answer right. those questions. So we were talking about passion. And I think there's so many stressors involved, right? Especially when you're going it alone. And I think a lot of people want to go it alone for once because they're fed up with the situation and they actually want to take the plunge. But there is a downside to following your passion. There's nothing that exists which only has positives. So what do you think are some of the biggest stressors that founders face? And how have you tried to tackle yours like whenever you faced any one of them in your life? I think for me, it's been quite a journey because firstly, I started young and secondly, starting as a young woman in India, it just adds to the challenge. So a lot of times I didn't even realize the things that I was doing right. So, you know, we all know the things that we're not good at and we all know the things that we we don't do well. But 
for me, I didn't even identify the things that were going right. So if something was successful, I didn't know why it was. I just, you know, some things are so innate to me that I just do them without realizing. And then I actually had someone who was working for me saying like, all these things that you're doing, people take a lot of time to kind of learn this in managerial courses and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, really? So I think as founders, while we give ourselves enough flack for not knowing things and not doing things right, I think it's also important to appreciate the things that you do know. For me, I've always felt alone, even though I have a team and now is probably one of the best teams I've had since we started. But I often see a lot of friends who have co-founders and I see that they're in this together and they share everything and responsibilities are split, which is great. And that's something I always miss. So for me, I understand that not everyone can have co-founders and I don't. But I think what's really important is also once you identify where you lack things, it's very easy to hire for those, you know, even knowing what you don't know is, is a really big skill. So, you know, my advice to most founders who are starting out is firstly, know yourself, know where your strengths lie, where your weaknesses lie. If you're alone, it is going to be lonely. But how can you build a team around you that can carry the weight of or complement the skills that you have? So, you know, many mistakes I've made where I've hired people who have the exact same skills set as me and that didn't help at all. So how can you do that? So that's very important to surround yourself with people who can kind of guide you and help you when you build out your team. The more you talk about your journey, I'm just reminded of Gautam and what he says because he also doesn't have a co-founder and he often talks about how lonely it is and despite having a team, you can't help but feel like the weight of the world is sometimes on you because if it It is down to it, you obviously benefit that much more but also the downside is completely on your shoulders. Nobody really has to shoulder in in that. You just mentioned that being a woman in the business that you're in, and I know that the F&B sector is dominated by men. So when you were starting out, and even today, what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced? You know, I, I think about this a lot now. I didn't when I started because when I started, I believe that youth is great. And actually, I looked at inexperience as, you know, an incredible tool to grow because you don't have the experience to tell you what you can or cannot achieve. So, you know, you feel like you can do anything. That's what I attempted to do then. I tried to do everything. Then I made my mistakes and now I, I know better. But I feel that, I mean, any business, any entrepreneur will have challenges. I'm sure, you know, Gotham will have the same irrespective of which industry or whether male or female. I think for me, it was two things. One was that I was really young and two, I was female. So I looked at it as a thing of youth and not really being a girl. So when people didn't take me seriously, I had issues in the start. I was just like, yeah, okay. You know, they just think she's an inexperienced 23 year old. And honestly, like I went through a lot where everyone wanted to know where my husband was, where my father was. They were like, are you doing this alone? And I was like, yes, people couldn't understand that. Then they thought my husband had died. Like I've been through all of that. And I was just like, you know, yeah. Like someone asked me, aapke husband off ho and I was like, what are you saying? No, it's been going through that. And then I just, at one point, I just told myself that I know what I want to achieve for my life. And if these are the barriers, I can easily just, you know, make my dad meet them. And I should like, I have a family who's super supportive and my father's always supporting me. So every time I'd had to meet a landlord and he wanted to meet my father, my dad would come along. It would just make me also feel better. So I, you know, navigated that. And today it's very different. Like from the work front now, I don't really see a gender bias anymore. Yeah, of course, like when you have a team and when I hired some people at top management level that were 
older, like in their 50s and they had worked. I saw that, oh, he didn't kind of take me that seriously or it was tougher to... But then I've just made my team of people now who take that authority well, you know, create your own culture. And has there been like an upside to being a woman in this business? Oh, 100%. The soft skills that a girl has or women have just in that sense of whether it is better relationship with customers, attention to detail. I feel like everyone should play to their strengths, right? So there are a lot of things like even as a woman boss, I think there are so many benefits. There are a lot of things that you can do with your skill sets that men won't be able to. And I think that is kind of the leadership that I want to have, which I think is great. It's beneficial. So I use it to my advantage. Yeah. Like you said, running a full-fledged operation, you started when you were 23. But it's no easy feat, especially in your 20s and 30s. You don't really have all of these life lessons and all of this wisdom on your side. So have you ever struggled with anxiety or faced burnout where it's been a really bad phase for you? Very often, actually, it comes in cycles, I think. And when I started at 23, I was in a long distance relationship, which ended because I was working so much and, you know, I couldn't give time to that. And obviously that impacts your mental health, but I just decided to keep working then I started putting on a lot of weight because I was working 14, 15 hours a day. I didn't have time to work out. I wasn't eating my meals properly. The only thing I would eat is then sugar through the day. So, you know, just physical fitness became an issue. I still remember I was in New York visiting a friend and just climbing up five floors in her house. I was like, you know, for a 26 year old, this can't be challenging. So then I decided to come back and make some changes. I like to look at setbacks as a way to do something with my life to change that in a manner. So for example, after this incident, I started training for the half marathon. I was like, I got to do things differently, which led to a whole new line of desserts at the patisserie, which was healthy desserts. So it keeps going. There's different things. For me, I always go through the emotions. I go through the dark days and the anxiety and the stress. And then when I look at it, I'm like, okay, what is this teaching me? And can I take something from this and learn and make sure that I get better? So everything that comes in, I'm like, what is it teaching me? Which is what I told you about the last 100 days as well. It was dark, like for about two weeks into April, where we decided that we had to shut the cafe. I didn't have the support I needed. I felt very alone. The food business is a cash business. Which business has that much cash to have a runway, you know, like tech companies for months and months. So we had to make that call of like really shrinking our team down from 100 to 30. And I'm sitting with my laptop with an Excel sheet with every employee's names, people that I love, the people that I love working with. And I just had to keep deleting name after name. And I was just sitting there and howling. And I was like, how do I, you know, deal with this? But then now I look at it like I'm happy that we were in a position to do that. And that now that I have a smaller team, I'm like, okay, the team is really small, which is great. So all the mistakes that I made in the past, and I felt like if I could do this around a second time, I would do it differently. I would do it better. I'm like, this is a time. So now this is an opportunity like no other. So yeah, short answer to your question is yes. <laughs> I feel anxious. <laughs> yeah. When you are going through these phases, so one of the things that you mentioned, I think that's a big thing where you think about what are the things that I can learn from this. But are there other things as well that you do to find your center during your yeah. darkest or most testing phases? 
Uh, yeah, luckily for me, I have a mom who is a healer and who's a counselor and, and she helps with a lot of things. So every time I start feeling anxious, she's the first person I go talk to. So I think one is having a support system that you can really openly talk about how you're feeling without any judgment. So it can be a sibling, it can be family, it can be a friend. Make sure you have that. Second for me is just, you know, recentering. And I get more anxious when I try to think or control the unknown. You know, so what's going to happen tomorrow? What if this happens? What if that happens? The minute you kind of learn to surrender and say that these are not things that are in my control anyway, right? But what is in control is today, is now, this moment. And the minute you shift that focus from living in the future or the past to just being in the present, which is tough and you have to keep practicing and keep making yourself do that. I do that with a lot of breathing techniques. So I'll be like, just focus on your breathing, a lot of meditation. I listen to a lot of like podcasts. I listen to a lot of spiritual teachers and everyone will tell you the same thing, irrespective of religion. It's almost about living in the now, right? So for me, I try to recenter, refocus and come to the now and then just slowly breathe until getting calm. Social media is obviously something that is almost a double-edged sword. Have you ever had like an incident or a series of incidents where social media has upset your mental peace? And like, how do you generally feel about social media? I mean, I love social media and I always have from the beginning. I just always took to it very easily. Like I was telling you, I never really thought of it as something that people did or like a career for me. It was just, it came naturally. So I've always really enjoyed it. I've tried to stay true to myself through all my platforms. But it does, obviously, when you're consuming anything in those large copious quantities, which you end up doing because it's so easy to just sit and scroll, it does affect your mental health, definitely. For me, more than anything else, it's the amount of time I was spending on my phone. So that was bothering me more than anything else. So the first thing I did in the lockdown for the first week was I deleted everything from my phone. I deleted all the apps. I said, I just need this time for myself. And really pulling yourself away from the online world, at least it helped me center myself and kind of, you know, find my feet. But I do this often. Every time I feel that I'm spending too much time on it, I kind of try and limit the number of hours I spend, try to do different things. And I'm not a passive consumer. So I don't really, I end up creating a lot of content rather than just consuming, which I hear is better. I don't know (laughs) if that is, but you know, I was speaking to a, a therapist who said that's better. But yeah, I definitely think for me, it's about the amount of time spent on it rather than just what is happening online. That makes sense. Are there any self-care rituals that you follow to help you unwind? You know, before lockdown, I would probably not have that many. I would probably just gym or yoga or something would be the case. But now I've really started enjoying just having downtime. So now I've started work again, but I work maybe to about five o'clock. I go at nine, I'm done by five. And then I have a, a routine that I follow. I'll have chai with my parents I'll do some yoga, I'll listen to a meditation app, I'll watch something on TV, I'll video call a friend. So anything to really just disconnect from the work part of it. Earlier I used to say that work and life, everything is the same, but now I'm like, okay, you have to find a big sort of separator. And are you good at managing your time? Excellent. What are your tips to people (laughs) like me? (laughs) I'm absolutely terrible at it. I think it's important to firstly be realistic about how much you can get done in a day. 
at least from a work perspective, like no one can handle more than three big issues or problems that they're working on. Earlier, what I used to do was I used to crowd my day and try and do everything in one day. And I took some online tests and I realized that I'm not very good at not multitasking, but you know, what we think as multitasking in general is actually switching of tasks. So listening to a podcast and running is multitasking, but, but like replying to an email and then answering a phone call is not multitasking or switching. And for me, that was a problem. So I've realized that for myself. And what I do is when I sit with a task, then I don't do anything else. And I just finish that. So it's more effective for me to get things done faster. And then I just have a schedule and I try to follow it. So I plan my day the day before I know exactly that this is on my checklist. This is what I need to do. And I try to get it done. And if you can't get it done, it's fine. You try yeah. to stick with it. So my last question before we have the rapid fire. Yes. Is for anyone who's starting out or anyone who is even running an existing organization, how do you think founders or people in the CXO positions can start prioritizing their mental health? What are the few steps that they can take to do that? If I had to give myself advice from a few years ago, one would definitely be to sort of draw that line between work and non-work. So I think as a founder of a company is very hard to disconnect, right? My kitchen opens at seven in the morning, my last store shuts at midnight. So work is on through the day. So how do I disconnect, right? But you have to kind of make time for yourself. That's one way of keeping your mental health in balance. Make sure you take time off. I used to not take a day off. I was very proud of the fact that I didn't take any days off, uh, which was stupid and young when you're young and stupid. But now I, I make it a point to take the weekend off, if not the weekend, at least Sunday. So I think a lot of rest, a lot of, for me, my life really changed when I started speaking to a leadership coach because I don't have a co-founder. The coach kind of helps me to just articulate what I'm feeling at work, why I'm doing certain things, how to change it. So I think like also open and honest communications with somebody that you can trust is important. So yeah. Okay, another quick question before we start. So what's happening with your podcast? That's a great question. So we started recording season two and then we did two episodes and then the lockdown happened. And this season we were doing video and audio. So, uh, you know, right now we've released those two episodes as bonus episodes and we're going to wait for the lockdown to get over and then start the rest. Okay, awesome. So for the rapid fire, we'll keep it quick and fun. What's your favorite recipe in your new ebook? The Nutella cheesecake. What's the first thing that you notice about somebody when you meet them? Their smile. If you weren't baking, what would you be doing? I'd be a lawyer. Wow. What podcast are you currently listening to? How I Built This. That's a good one. When the world returns to normal and things open up again, whatever that normal is, what's the first thing that you're going to do? I'm going to go hug my friends. What's the one dessert that you want to see banished from all baking volumes everywhere? <laughs> I'll tell you what I hate. I hate gulab jamun cheesecake. Like to me, that is just like, no, leave the gulab jamun alone and leave the cheesecake alone. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. What's the best piece of advice you ever received? My friend Henry gave me this great piece of advice. Henry's much older than me and two pieces of advice. One was pee when you can, which is you know, metaphorically, it's like when an opportunity strikes, take it. And also pee when you can because toilets are hard to find. And the second one is ask the right questions. 
I'm going to take that piece of advice. <laughs> Who is the one woman that you really admire and why? I'm lucky to be surrounded by many women that I love and admire. One would definitely be Riya Kapoor. I love her. She is uh whenever I'm having a tough day and I'm struggling, I reach out to her and and she helps to kind of make me see the light. What's your favorite birthday cake? Just chocolate. The last question is what's something that you can't do? Mm, many things I think. There are things that I'm not good at. right now but if you ask me what's something you can't do i will defy that because i think that anything that you want to do you can do that's a good answer i'll take that <laughs> like like running a marathon speaking french in front of 5000 people and dancing on stage i thought i couldn't do any of those and then i did them so wow it's all in your head all in your head that's amazing advice as well thanks pooja thank you so much thank you for having me Thank you for wearing your heart on your sleeve. First of all, you were so honest and raw and genuine. You didn't hold back. I think, especially to the listeners, that's so valuable and it means so much. Bye. Take care. Stay safe. Bye. See you. Bye. And with that, we come to an end of this episode. I really hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. Please go check out and subscribe to Pooja's podcast. It's called No Sugar Coat with Pooja Dhingra. Also, don't forget to follow her on Instagram if you don't already. Her handle is Pooja Dhingra. That's P O O J A D H I N G R A. Next week we have former editor of Harper's Bazaar, Nanita Kalra on the show to talk about the changing standards of beauty and how we as a society can instill a healthier body image and greater self worth into women everywhere so that you don't miss that episode or any future episodes don't forget to click on the bell icon or the subscribe button in the meantime you can also find us on instagram our handle is @theheartofmysleeveofficial for behind the scenes footage future guests more personal growth content and to become a more active member of the homes community see you next week bye इस हब हॉपर ओरिजिनल को सुनने के लिए आपका शुक्रिया अगर आप भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करना चाहते हैं तो हब हॉपर स्टूडियो वेबसाइट पे रजिस्टर करें और एक मिनट के अंदर अंदर अपना खुद का पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करें यही नहीं स्टूडियो देता है आपको पूरी आजादी कहीं भी कभी भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करने की सिर्फ तीन आसान स्टेप्स में तो साथ में अपना पॉडकास्ट शुरू करने के लिए तैयार जस्ट हॉप ऑन हब हॉपर सिंपली कॉन्टेंट